Top Score from Classical Minnesota Public Radio. I'm Emily Reese. I am so excited about the show this week, and that's because Greg Edmondson is our guest. We'll be talking all about Uncharted 3 and the whole Uncharted series in general. One of my other favorite things, though, about Greg Edmondson is that he was the guy who wrote the music for Joss Whedon's show Firefly. So all of you Firefly fans out there, and Joss Whedon fans in general, I think you'll particularly enjoy our conversation about that show. But about Uncharted, I want to tell you what I love about this game. PlayStation owners know this was one of the first games you could actually get for the PlayStation 3 was Uncharted Drake's Fortune. So I picked it up used many months after it came out and loved it. If you haven't played Uncharted, here's the basic premise. It's kind of like Indiana Jones, only more fun. You get to run around and search for treasures and solve puzzles and go through beautiful colored landscapes and jungles and deserts and it's really an amazing game so i hope you'll enjoy this conversation with greg edmondson here on top score from classical minnesota public radio I'm so thrilled. I've been a huge fan um, when I got my PS3 after it came out. Uh, that was one of the first games I picked up. It was one of the first games you could pick up. And it was kind of, uh, would you say, an unexpected hit? You know, I, I, I'm not sure that I'm qualified to, to speak about that, but it's an unusual game. And you're right. It was mm-hmm. one, of the, one of the first big franchises for the PS3. Mm-hmm. So I can kind of go back a little bit and say that the woman who created this game named Amy Hennig, is a visionary in the gaming industry, and really she's without peer. Mm. You know, she's, she's made a lot of very successful games, and she made the Uncharted series with the idea of expanding the base of gamers. You do lots of shooting, but she said, I really want, I want people who maybe think that they wouldn't enjoy a game to actually enjoy a game. So she started off by creating characters that you really care about. Mm-hmm. And then giving them the words to say. She also writes the script. She makes all the creative decisions. She's essentially both the screenwriter and the director of the movie. Well, she's a brilliant writer then. She really is. And, you know, a couple of years ago on Uncharted 2, the Writers Guild of of America started giving out awards for writing in games, Mm -hmm. which meant you were standing up there with James Cameron and everybody else. And Amy won. Wow. And I was really proud of her. But I was also Mm -hmm. proud of the other game guys who kind of came up to her before the award ceremony. And they said, listen, we know we're going to get our butts kicked by you tonight. <laughs> but, but thank you for making it apparent that story matters. Mm-hmm. Because for so long, story was like an afterthought. It was yes. all about gameplay. And so they would just kind of cobble something together. And even if they hired a good actor, it doesn't help to have a good actor if you don't give them the words to say. Right. So you really have to approach it like you would a really good TV show or a really good movie. You, all those elements have to be there. And that's what Amy brings to the table. So Uncharted was my very first game that I ever did. So it's not like I was coming in with experience in, in that world. And in fact, really, to this day, I've only done three games. <laughs> Uncharted Uncharted 2 and Uncharted 3. Right. That, 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 that's it. So, you know, I, there are people way more qualified than me. But I do know how lucky I am. And I do know what an unusual franchise it is. And I know how hard they all work and how much they care. And, and, and I'm, so, I'm just so proud to be a part of that.
there are so many things that I love about the music for Uncharted. And part of it is that I, uh, I am a trumpet player, and so I love the brass. But I love how you did the brass, because it sounds like to me that you mix trumpets and horns a lot. Is that correct? We did. We did. In yeah. fact, we used more more of the trumpets mm-hmm. on this one than on, on any of the other two. They were there was a little bit of flavor of them on two, but but we used all the brass guys. And you know, if you listen to it, the tuba player, mm-hmm. a guy named Owen Slade, is astonishing. His one tuba can fill up the whole studio. Wow! And we were constantly with the whole orchestra going, "Okay, Owen, you can back off just a little <laughs> bit," you know, <laughs> because he just he takes a breath, and all of a sudden, this tuba just blossoms into the wow. air, and you go, "Holy cow! Jeez, what a star of the world he is!" That's amazing. Uh, there's a little more going on in the brass than than the first two. If I did have to choose an instrument instrument to play on an uncharted score though I would pick horn. I would definitely so I. want to play French horn because you write just great lines for them. We started off with, with the first game was it was a smaller deal and it was set in the jungle. So it, it was okay for it to be a smaller deal. Mm-hmm. It was my first game and and I was I wasn't sure what to do. In fact, when they call me for the gig, well I won't go back too far but I've done a TV show called Firefly which had been canceled. Yes, we'll talk about it, that. Oh, okay, and and <laughs> and so that that's how I ended up on Uncharted. They were making a trailer, and they had gotten some soundtracks, and they said, mm-hmm. "Well, let's just see what we think you know works against our picture." Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, they found a cue that worked, and they called and they said, "Would you be interested?" And I said, "Well, I'm interested, but it's not really my world. You probably should hire somebody from that world because mm-hmm. they'll they'll be able to do you a better job." And they said, "Well, if we wanted to do that, we, that's what we would have done." what if we just want to just take a shot at it and see, you know, what you think. And, wow. you know, and of course, then once I started and started working with them, uh, it was lovely. But what they told me was be very careful of melodies because at that time, the game engine was less sophisticated than it is today. Mm-hmm. And they said, if a melody, you know, comes around every four bars or every six bars, at some point, it's going to be really irritating and the player is going to turn the music down or off, and that's what we want to avoid. Yes. So the first one was far more of an ambient score. For that reason, I was afraid of writing melodic content sure. too much. I mean, I wrote a couple of themes, but I didn't want it to be irritating. So we used lots of ethnic woodwinds and, and one-shot stuff that you could get away with that you wouldn't quite identify as, a, as an irritating melody. Mm-hmm. When we got to the second one, technology had advanced, so the game engine was much more powerful. Mm-hmm. And also, I just wanted to write something that felt like it was music. And yeah. So I, so I just did. And I said, listen, if I'm in error and if I'm doing something that is not going to work, then let me know and we'll correct it. And they said, no, just do what you do and we'll make it work. Uncharted franchise is a team effort, and 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 it's just as in any team, a soccer team or a football team, there is no one member more important than the other. And so the game implementation is something I have no part of. 
but you have to be aligned with people that you trust, people who can do a magnificent job, and people have who have a musical sense of what you were trying to accomplish with the stuff. And we do. So True. the same team has been in place on all on all the games. Wow. But anyway, on Uncharted Two, we headed more for melodic content. And then uh, when we got to Uncharted 3, Amy said, I don't know how to tell you, but it, we just want it to be different. It's still cut from the same piece of cloth. Mm-hmm. It's just got to be different. Yeah. And and I think it is. We're kind of going in and out of talking about the third game and all three games. But I do want to know when you look back on all three games, what you feel is your biggest accomplishment in the franchise. Oh, I don't know. I, I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> I mean, if a scene is exciting. Mm-hmm then that's my contribution. Ultimately, you want people to appreciate the music, but I don't need them to single the music out. It's just like a good film or, or something. If you're part of the fabric of telling the story and the person who's involved in this visceral experience says that was exciting or, or whatever, then you've accomplished your task. Mm-hmm. Last time, they had some cinematics, some cutscenes that are, you know, the, the dialogue. It's, it's just like a, a scene from a TV show or a film. Mm-hmm. And they had some really emotional ones that it was really fun to be a part of. Mm-hmm. And this time they took some of those scenes and moved them into gameplay so that the player was still involved in making decisions. So the music played out differently on this one. So this one was a little more action-oriented. Then, you know, and I didn't get to write exactly the same type of emotional content, but it was set in a different locale, too. Last time I had the luxury of of, uh, being set in Asia, and we had Karen Han play this ancient Chinese instrument called the Arhu, Mm -hmm. and she plays it so beautifully and so lyrically. Mm. But we don't have the same, you know, when 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 you head off to the desert, your palate is different. It's a different type of beauty. Does that make sense? unusual instruments you got to use for Uncharted 3. There's some flamenco guitar type sounds thrown in there. We did do guitar and there's a reason we did guitar and this would, I don't mean this to be a spoiler, but we do end up in South America. Mm-hmm. And so there is a, a method to the madness. Where the other games have kind of been, let's get started and then let's go to where we're going to be. This one kind of Starts off in London, went to South America, goes to France, and finally ends up in the desert. So mm-hmm. it really is a little bit more of a globe trot. So, you know, you tried to touch on those places without being, you know, too on the nose. Yes. <laughs> well, it's it's very effective. Did you also use a, a, some kind of double-reeded instrument? Was it a bombard? No. The, it, it, what you're probably hearing is a deduke. Oh, which is okay. this beautiful, melancholy, kind of a thick sound, it does, mm-hmm. you know, like a double read, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's a gorgeous sound, and it's played by a, a genius here, Chris Bleff, who does all the big movie stuff with that. Mm. He he just comes and he plays all the ethnic woodwinds. We also used a zerna, which is a really wild-sounding instrument. You know, matches the desert perfect. It's just wild. It's it's wow. uncontrolled and unrefined, whereas the Arhu can be so beautiful mm-hmm. and lyrical. The zerna is just like, you know don't want to do it in the microphone and probably <laughs> create an issue. It's just a wild instrument. There's, sure. You know, it just is. So cool. 
We started off the game by bringing in guys and, and playing lots of instruments and, and then finding the ones that really, really seemed to work well mm -hmm. and using them throughout the game. There's one called Small Beginnings, and I actually listened to it three times before I let it go on to the next one because I loved it so much. There's gorgeous string writing in there. I had fun writing that piece. Mm. That, that's, the, that's the nylon string guitar piece. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. So I just loved how, you know, you had these sections with these otherworldly, you know, world music instruments, and then you just can tell, though, that there's that core of string writing still tightly woven underneath. It was really well done. You know, how lucky am I to get to write music like that, you know, for right. a game? Right. Amy and, and the guys at Sony are so encouraging. No matter what I write, you know, unless it was like a kazoo trio. <laughs> <laughs> and, and God knows that may be coming because I'm yeah. out of ideas for the next one. <laughs> Yeah. We could add you on trumpet if you like. I oh, mean, I'd love you know, it, man. <laughs> there you have it. Bring it on. It's just, you know, they just kind of let me stretch my wings and say, you know what, just do it and we'll find a place in the game for it. It's one of the things that's really wacky about games that's very, very different from a TV show or a film mm -hmm. is that when you write a piece of music in one of those uh, other venues, you know exactly where it's going to go. Right. In the games, it's not so much that way because – the picture's not done. I mean, they have an acting performance, and they'll give you a rough video and go, listen, you now have to imagine that we're in the middle of the desert or we're, or we're in this, uh, this, this old palace or we're doing that. It's not there. It's not there for you to respond to visually. Uh, they may have concept art, but concept art has never worked very well for me because I kind of like to see the way things move and, and what the lighting is like. Sure. In the same way, like on a film, you could have a, a, a big battle scene mm -hmm. and you could play it as, as an action cue, or you could play it with Adagio for Strings by Samuel right. Barber. And right. the beauty of the music underscores in a weird way the horrible things that you're seeing on the screen. Yes. It brings them to light in different ways. So music is just so interesting that way. You never know for sure what it's going to do. And since the game is largely unfinished, a lot of times I'll write a piece for one section and they go, well, we, we got so much use of it in this other section that it just ended up there. And you go, listen, <laughs> as long as you have what you need, as long as you have something to make it interesting, that's great. fortunate enough to get the game a little bit early, so as I was playing through it, my roommate was watching me play, and there's a section where I walked up to a door thinking that that's the door I was supposed to go through, and one of the uh, characters in the game says, oh, I don't think you're going to be able to go that way. 
I, I said to my roommate, I said, you know, if I hadn't walked up to that door, that character would not have said that. And that's what I love about how they're thinking about audio in these games now. And they do it with the music, too, all the time. And I think it's just brilliant. In Uncharted 2, there was a scene in a village. It was one of the few peaceful scenes in the whole thing. <laughs> and there's a yak standing in the yard. Yep. If you walk around behind the yak... All of a sudden, Nathan goes, phew, phew. Yes. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> you wouldn't know unless you walked behind the yak. You know? Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, it's one of the first games that ever made me laugh out loud. It was such a funny, it's such funny, witty writing. And you know what? They have an actor and, and actresses to deliver it. Oh, absolutely. They do a great job. And they also are emotional. And that's another thing that you just most of the time don't get in games. I mean, if it's a military game where you, you know, you kill or be killed, yes. it's not the same as in Uncharted 2. Remember when Elena was wounded and, yes. and Nate picks her up and he runs. He goes, stay with me. Stay with me. Mm-hmm. He cared. And when, you, when, when characters care like that, number one, you want to be part of it musically. But that's what, that's what makes you care about them. So did this turn you into a gamer, or were you already a gamer? I, I can't really honestly say that. I, it would be a, a misuse of the term. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, a, I'm a game player. Okay. <laughs> Not, I am surrounded by all these guys, all the guys at Naughty Dog, all yes. the guys at Sony are so good yeah. that you're just humiliated you know, <laughs> to even do it. So they bring me down and they walk me through it because otherwise we'd still be there getting through yeah. the game. What else can I say? Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a track called Science and Magic on Uncharted 3, and there's a vocalist. Uh, she sings at the beginning, and then I think she comes back at the end. Just a beautiful voice. Can you talk about her? Yeah, her name is Azam Ali. She's actually a well-known recording artist. Okay. And we always try, you know, vocals are such a great way of establishing locale. Yes. You know, the whole idea here is don't beat people over the head with it. You don't have to be on the nose. And the one thing in the, you absolutely don't want to do is make it sound like ethnic music. You just want flavors. So mm-hmm. if you take the flavors and you mix them in to the orchestra, sometimes just a touch of it will do. I, I can't remember where home is for her, mm-hmm. but she's, she's a world traveler. But she knew how to sing in that scale, and, mm-hmm. and, and they, they already knew her. So it was just an automatic fit. Instead of having to look for someone, they just said, how about Azam? And we said, sure, let's do it. Let's switch gears a minute here and talk about one of 
my favorite television shows of all time and a lot of friends of mine who uh, agree that it's one of the best television shows ever, and that would be Firefly by Joss Whedon. A lot of us have just kind of an unusual attachment to anything Joss Whedon, but that was a remarkable show. How did you get uh, to be a part of that project? I can tell you, but I'll be telling you something that never, ever happens in the music business. Okay. Okay? Yep. Uh, everybody wanted to do it because everybody loves what Joss does. Mm-hmm. Joss wasn't taking calls from any agents, and that's normally how we all pitch ourselves. Okay. So they said, listen, if you think you want to be a part of it, send in a CD, and and that's all you can do. Mm-hmm. So I sent in a CD. And then, you, you know, when, when you do that in this business, you then kind of just go, okay, done, done and gone. <laughs> yeah. In other words, I, I've now done all I can do. There's nothing yeah. I can do to affect anything else. So you just move on, think about something else, and you never expect to hear back. Mm-hmm. And one day the phone rang, and they said, hey, this is Josh Whedon's office. Would you be interested in coming in and talking about this show? Wow. So I went down there, and I had never met Josh. I didn't know him. And, and uh we just started talking about fun things, and we found stuff that we had in common. You know, like we both like a, an English guitarist named Jeff Beck. Mm. And he'd go, oh, this tune's Jeff Beck's greatest. Oh, go, I'd say, no, 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 you're completely wrong. It's this <laughs> tune over here. You know, it's way better than the one you like, you know. And, and we just had fun. And so at the end of the thing, he said, listen, I, I promised one other guy that I would meet with him, but it's your gig. Wow. And I walked out, and I looked, at, and, and there was a wall of CDs on the, on the you know, just sitting there. Oh, and I, I said, oh, I know that guy. He's great. Oh, I know that guy. He's even better. <laughs> I know this guy. And to this day, I don't know why, but it was something miraculous and I, that, that I was the recipient of. For whatever reason, they listened to uh, the music and responded to that, not to an agent say, oh, here's the hot guy you got to have on your show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So how lucky was that? That's amazing. Now, I, I got to tell you, when I got that show, they gave me the two-hour pilot, and I looked at it, and I said, I'm working for 10 years. I actually wrote a cue. I don't remember if it was the last. It was in, a, in an episode called "The Message," uh, and and I don't know if you've seen it or not. It's you know a guy, a guy dies at the end, and and they they have a funeral for him. I mean they're going to his funeral, you know, and I and I actually wrote the the music and I said I'm not writing for this guy that died. I mean I feel bad that he died, but <laughs> this is about me saying goodbye to these people because I'll never mm-hmm. have a chance to say goodbye to him again. They finished before I finished. I was the last guy finished. I went in Joss's office and I cried. Mm -hmm. And I cried because I knew there was not going to be a lateral move. I knew there was not going to be a TV show that was going to be that good that was going to wander across my path anytime soon because it hadn't been created. But that that show was so fun. Joss is, is one of the few guys in television who, when he says, let's do something different, he actually means it. And and it's it's not a direct relation. There are things about Nathan Drake that are not dissimilar from uh, Nathan Fillion or Mal, as we know him in the show. Sure, sure. You know, he's a strong guy 
who is always going to do the right thing, Mm -hmm. but he might do the wrong thing on the way to doing the right thing. (laughs) 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 Yes. I mean, one of the things that's really fun is when people write a character and he can't say what he's really thinking because then you get to see the wheels turn. You know, remember the end of Uncharted 2? She goes, when you thought I was going to die, I saw you, you were crying. He goes, no, I wasn't. It was raining. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's like he he was vulnerable and he loved her, but he didn't want to be caught being vulnerable. Yes. Los Angeles in 1980. I had gone to school, but I ended up studying privately with a guy named Albert Harris, who was the guy that you studied with out here, Mm -hmm. who was a joy and a treasure. And he's since passed on. Mm -hmm. But if you look at everybody's thing, they go, oh, I got to study with Albert Harris. So I studied with him for years. Mm -hmm. And actually, I was working as a guitar player out here. Mm -hmm. And I got the opportunity to write. Uh, uh, Hanna-Barbera was my first gig. Really? Yeah, huh. yeah, cool. And, and it, well, yeah, it didn't last long, but oh. but but well, that was okay. Yeah. Uh, after Hanna Barbera, a, a guy named Mike Post gave me a gig. He's like a, the big dog in television. Mm-hmm. He was he was doing a gazillion big shows, and he, could, he couldn't possibly do them all. So he had a team of guys that worked for him doing the shows, and I worked oh, wow. for Mike for years, which was great. You know, you're always lucky to have opportunities like that. Uh, but Hanna-Barbera, I just said, you know what, I'm, I I, I want to be on this side of the glass from now on. You know, I made that transition and, and, and I never thought about it or never looked back. Have you considered doing more video games? <laughs> Is that a question? Can you not answer that? Oh, I can. Oh, okay. Want me to tell you the truth? <laughs> yeah. I did a video panel not too long ago and everybody said, I'm doing this, but I have a bunch of other projects I can't talk about. Yeah. And when they came to me, I didn't say it, but I should have. I was going, I'm doing Uncharted 3, and I don't have any other projects that I can't talk about. (laughs) (laughs) That would have been the truth. Yeah. Listen, I would love to do some more video projects. Now, I got to be honest. I do feel a little bit like I may have had the same experience in the video game world that I had on Firefly. It's going to be hard to find a lateral move. In other words, are you going to find somebody that can write the same sort of stories, cast with with the same actors, uh, telling stories that have emotional impact, and then give you a, a giant budget, you know, and pay right. you really well? Uh, <laughs> <Right>. Well, <laughs> well, I, I hope so. Yes. And and everything is not that. I mean, guys in my position, we just want to keep working. You know, it's nice every morning to get up and come downstairs. I, I just have have yet to have to make that connection. One of the things that I love about the video game industry, though, is that creativity is not even so much encouraged as it is a necessity. 
you are dead in the water in the video game industry if you aren't able to create something that, that gets people playing your game over and over and over again. And television, there's so many television shows are the same now. So I feel like your opportunity in the video game industry, you, you might be able to find something lateral or at least comparable Listen, I, I would be thrilled. You know? and <laughs> Let's then, get you a job, Greg. <laughs> well, I was going to say, now, now, now that I'm done with this, I, I need to start beating the bushes. I did get, I got one call. I, I'm not going to name the name. Sure. And they said, can you write us a demo piece? Mm-hmm. So I wrote it, and then I never heard anything back from them. I thought, well, I guess they hated it, and you know, <laughs> m- moving on. Turns out the company was in financial difficulty, and the game was never made. Mm-hmm. While I was working on Uncharted 3, right in the middle of writing, a call went out and they said, we'd really like you to pitch on this game. Mm-hmm. And I said, what would you like me to do? And they'd say, well, can you write a piece in the style of this? And could you write an action cue in the style of Greg Edmondson? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously? That's a, that's a true story. And, and, oh. and I called my agent and I said, listen, tell them I'm really interested. I can't, I can't stop and write a demo right now because I've, you know, I owe everything to Naughty Dog and to mm-hmm. Uncharted. So I've got, mm-hmm. I've got a right for that. I mean, we have action cues in the style of Greg Edmondson. If you want one of those, <laughs> yeah. I can, I, I can do it. Trust me. But I do. I, I listen, I, I agree with you that I think in some ways, video games are the most creative medium. Yes. Because they allow you to do things. That, and again, people will give you opportunities because no one knows for sure what it's going to be mm-hmm. at this point. You get to write big melodies. A lot of film is not big melody. It's a lot of ambient stuff nowadays. And, you know, melodies are fun. They're fun to write. And then hearing an orchestra play it, I mean, you know, that's thrilling. Yeah. And I would say that's primarily video game land right now more than it is films and certainly more than television. I, I think video games, maybe because they're all really different. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, a cop drama looks like a cop drama. Yeah. You know, they change the costumes and, you know, but, but you know, I mean, it's there's a sameness to it. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, maybe that's why they just go, well, let's just make sure our, our music doesn't, you know, jump out too much. One of the wacky things about TV is if a show is a success, no one knows why it is. So if one of the characters has ill-fitting clothes and leaves the show, they'll cast the new guy with ill-fitting clothes because they don't know if that's what people find charming about the show. They just don't have a clue. They're talking about making a movie of the Uncharted. Uh, oh, yeah. I want to do that. You should. I want to do it. <laughs> I'll write a letter on your behalf. But, but you know what? <laughs> I, I, I'll take anything I can get. I do want to do that game. I mean, I mean yeah. that movie. Yeah. And, you know, you just, you just never know. Listen, I, I just love working on fun projects, and I've, I've been so lucky. I mean, I just really have been lucky. There are guys yeah. who do a lot more, but the ones I land on are the kind of ones that you go, boy, you know, I am thrilled to be here. Well, Greg, thank you so much for talking with me today. It was an absolute pleasure. You made it quite fun, and I look forward to doing it again soon.
You've been listening to Top Score from Classical Minnesota Public Radio. I'm Emily Reese. Our technical director is Sam Keenan. On our next show, we'll either be featuring Jesper Kidd's music from the Assassin's Creed series or Jeremy Soule's music to Skyrim. Both shows are coming up. Not quite sure which one will be up next, but uh, follow us on Twitter and Tumblr at Top Score Podcast. And hey, you can send us feedback at classicalmpr.org slash topscore. is um, particularly intrigued by uh, the name of this game developer. I just would like to apologize to the fine employees of Naughty Dog Naughty on Sam's behalf because this is what it's like to make top score, people. This is what it's like. <laughs> Are you proud of your work accomplishments today, Sam? Naughty dog. <laughs> <laughs>